You are listening to a message from Southview Church, located right outside of Nashville in Spring Hill, Tennessee. Now here's our featured sermon of the week. Turn your Bibles to 1 John. This is where we've been. We are in a study called Deep into 1 John. Deep is discipleship, engagement, evangelism, prayer. We're going into 1 John. Last week we talked about lighting it up. Lighting up the gospel, illuminating, Apostle John talking to us. Anybody feel more um, uh, affection for the Apostle John now after we talked about him? We give a lot of love to Peter and Paul, but John, man, he, he's been there. He did that. He was, he was the OG. He's original. Jesus um, dubbed John and his brother James the sons of thunder. And we know that because they were a little bit radical. They very well could have had a temper. But Jesus uses crazy people, and, and, and I think it's funny when he dubbed them that. I wonder if they were like, thank you, Jesus, or like, wow, Jesus, that was a weird name you gave us. But Jesus knew where John was going to go. And over the course of, of his life, because he was young when, Je- when Jesus called him, Jesus began to transform John's heart, and John, towards the end of his life, began to have real compassion and humility. In fact, Jesus, John started out by calling himself the one whom Jesus loved. <laughs> and then by the end of it, he was the only one, the only gospel, the gospel of John, that wrote about Jesus washing the disciples' feet. Because it made such an impact on his life that he included it in his story. And that transformed him. And I believe that's why Jesus saw him and said, John, take care of my mother. And then John also said, by the way, I'm going to put you on an island. and You're going to have a revelation of who I am. Can you imagine having a revelation of Jesus, you were with Jesus, and now you're seeing the future come before your eyes? Isn't it interesting? The enemy put him on the island because they couldn't deal with John anymore. They tried to boil him. He still lived. So they put him on an island. He thought, well, we'll just get rid of him. And then he has an encounter and writes the book of Revelation. So sometimes when God isolates you, he'll actually give you downloads, things that you couldn't get when you were with other people. Well, that was a good one, man. Did you write that down? I didn't. That was good, man. John, John was writing the book of, of John, the letter of John, I'm sorry. He was writing it specifically. One of the main points was to address Gnosticism. Gnosticism was an occult that was coming out of the Christian church. It was completely false to the Bible, but people were believing it because it was mixing religions together. In fact, the, the basic of Gnosticism is that the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament were two different gods you can see how that contradicts the canon of scripture that we have here because if you really know the word the old testament is rich and the new testament is rich and they come together in perfect harmony right like reese's peanut butter cups chocolate and peanut butter where did that come from that's good it is reese's peanut butter so it was good is that what we're talking about or the bible oh the both okay one of the things about the i'm in a rare form already josh help me one of the things one i got plenty of time plenty of jokes are coming many one of the things that i realize is that narcissism builds mystery religions into christianity john saw this and he really had such a love for jesus that he did not want this to continue in the church so he's very strongly condemning what is taking place in fact, what they would do is they would, they would bring in secret societies and rituals, levels of understanding, so you could only reach certain levels of understanding in this, and also strange practices like being possessed by God. Wasn't God, by the way. They would value scripture, but also what they experienced. So what they experienced, what elders told them, and what they learned from angels. Notice I put 
parentheses because it wasn't angels that were they were communicating to. They were also into astrology and chemistry. In fact, one of the kind of modern day versions of Gnosticism off the Jewish Judaism religion is Kabbalah. Remember Kabbalah? Anybody remember that? There was, was a height of that a couple years ago. That is a form of Gnosticism. Anyway, all that to say, why am I telling you that? Because first of all, I want to teach you about what this book is about. Second of all, I want you to see what we're getting ready to get into, how important it is that you know the background to understand why John is laying into it. John, 1 John 2, you have your Bibles, 1 John 2, verse 18. We're going to jump right into it. We're going to jump around a little bit. We're going to bring it all together. 1 John 2, verse 18. Children, it is the last hour. Pause for a moment. This is John writing this somewhere between 85 to 95 AD. He's saying it's the last hour. Where the heck are we at today now? In the couple minutes left? What, what, is this the final countdown? What are we doing here? Wow. Come on now. As you have heard, is that the trumpet, Lord? What if that's the calling to the rapture? The final countdown. Wow. Come back. And as you heard, the Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they're not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might make, become plain that they are all not of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you have all knowledge. I write to you not because of, you do not know the truth, but because you know it. Because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist. He who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. Remember we talked about that, abiding in Christ? Hold on to that for a later moment in this message. If you heard from the beginning, abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise he made to us, eternal life. I want you to move over to chapter 4, verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and is now in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you, what? Is greater than he that is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world and the world listens to them. But we are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us, and whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Today, the title of my message is There is a Spy in the Camp. Ooh, there is a spy in the camp. Come on, spy. Come on, we're going to find you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you today for your living, breathing word of God. We thank you that John wrote this, and today it's so important, even right now in 2022. Lord, give us ears to hear your word and understanding, wisdom, and Lord, Holy Spirit, you have your way here today. May we be illuminated and changed and transformed by the words that you speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. I love movies. I love certain kinds of movies. I don't love Hallmark movies, to be exact. I despise them. Yes, hate them. Thank you. 
Thank you. It's every man is clapping, every woman is angry. It's the same story, different people. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. And that's all. Guys, you are dismissed. I had to get that out. I love movies. There's a certain group of movies I really like, and they have two certain kind of spinoffs that have been really huge. It's the Mission Impossible movies and the 007 movies. Can I get an amen, anybody in this place? I love them because there's intrigue. Come on, Eric. There's intrigue. There's mystery. There's, there's gadgets. But the thing that I love about it is there's always the one dude you never saw was the bad dude from the beginning. And you're like, my God. And the better the movie, the better written movie, the one that you never, it's like blows your mind. How did I not catch this? Or better yet, it was a bad dude who turned into a good dude at the end. And I think... That's the great, greatest part of these movies is that you see this. But when I watch it the second time, I, now that I know what I know, I already see all. I, I, of course he was the bad guy. I knew it all along, right? Because you're looking through a different lens. Let me say this. You're alerted to something, and you now see it through a different lens. That is what John is doing here. He's alerting to you what is coming. He's alerting to you, church, what is happening. So you're not blown away by, hey, I didn't know that person was, was wrong, was in error. He's saying, I'm telling you, they've already gone out into the world. So he gives us insight on how to identify this stuff. The role of the devil is to deceive you from the truth. Yes, I know it's to kill, steal, and destroy, but he wants to deceive you from truth. Because if he could deceive you from truth, then he can manipulate you to believe a lie. So what do we do? We study truth. John gives you this, this very aspect of what it is. It's called the antichrist spirit. Now we know if you, no matter how you, where you stand on eschatology, end time religion, belief, you can understand that there is an antichrist, if anything, a spirit of antichrist that is being released on the earth. John says that the spirit of antichrist had already come. So what is it? It's anything that denies Jesus, anti-Christ. So it's already in the world. And he gives us some things to look for. It said they came from us, but they're not of us. What does that mean? Well, one of the things we've learned in ministry is when someone comes to your church and you invite someone and they say, I love your church. Grimsley's, I love your church. And they thank you. Thank you for inviting me to your church. But when they begin to say, I love our church, this is my family. All of a sudden, there's something that changes. John's saying they are in you, they're around you, but they're not with you. It's important to understand this because this stuff is happening in the body of Christ now. And people are like, who is it? Is it someone sitting next to me? No, I'm saying it's actually happening now. There is a spirit of antichrist that is actively and, and celebrated by the world. Can I give you some examples? Islam. Hinduism, Jehovah Witness, Mormonism, they all believe in Jesus. They all confess him to be a prophet, a man of honor, but they do not allow him to be the Messiah. We celebrate these religions around the world. They are an antichrist spirit. It's a religion used to deceive people from the true power. It's amazing how Jesus pops up in every story. But until we give him the full glory that he is the son of God, that no one can come to the father except through Jesus, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Until we begin to confess that, we begin to partner with John, what John is talking about. It says it's already in the world. And key, the key verses in chapter 4, verse 6, it says, when we are from the world, the world listens. But when we're from God, godly listen. 
This is how we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Now, let me give you some examples. You want to play a game with me today? I got a game for you, 10 o'clock. Let me pull up my 10 o'clock questions. I got a little different for each service, just to mix it up for Josh, because he's the only one here for all three services. He gets bored. He's like, put more content. I'm going to give you some lines today, and I want you to determine if it's truth or if it's error, if this is biblical or if it's not biblical. You ready? Number one, God helps those who help themselves. <laughs> some of you are like, wait, hold on a second. That's my verse. <laughs> I mean, I got that tattooed on my arm, man. That's, it's not in the Bible. A quarrelsome wife is as annoying as constant dripping on a rainy day. <laughs> That's truth. <laughs> some of you, some of you, that is in Proverbs. Proverbs, did you memorize that one? Proverbs 27, 15. <laughs> it was actually funny watching and listening to women going, that's truth. Anyway, if you love someone, you must set them free. That's a song by Sting. <laughs> a coward dies a thousand times before his death, but the valiant taste of death but once. That's William Shakespeare. That is not truth. Mm. Gonna get a little tougher now. A beautiful woman who lacks discretion is like a gold ring in a pig's snout. That's Proverbs 11. You know a lot of Proverbs. It's scary. They're about women. I don't understand this. You need to get a better Latina here. The mind can calculate, but the spirit yearns, and the heart knows what the heart knows. That's Stephen King. Sounds like scripture. And even though it all went wrong, I stand before the Lord of song with nothing on my tongue but hallelujah. <laughs> That's a song by Leonard Cohen called Hallelujah. <laughs> you guys are getting, all right, here's one. God won't give you more than you can handle. Oh, you guys are good. That is a spinoff of 1 Corinthians 10, 13, which says, no temptation has overcome you except what is common to mankind, but God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so you can endure it. God won't give you more than you can handle. How many know that many times we believe something that is not truth? Because it sounds like God. It, maybe I heard it at church or somebody put it on Facebook and it, they're, they're a good person. So it's, it, I'm telling you, this is how it begins. We have to know the word. We have to know the living word. And I'm telling you, God has given us something so that we can overcome the spirit of Antichrist. You want to know what it is? It's the gift of discernment. Discernment. How many people would say they have discernment? Raise your hand if you have discernment. A lot of women have discernment. I think they've been given something. Maybe you guys were in a different line at the time when God was giving it out. <laughs> we were in the muscular line. Where, where can I get muscles? Over here. Okay, discernment. I'll go over here. We missed that line. But the reality is, is it is a gift of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the gifts of the Spirit, and it says it's the ability to distinguish between spirits. Let me just say this first and foremost. You don't wrestle against flesh and blood. That person that is demonic is not the enemy. It's the demon behind the person. In fact, Jesus knew this. He, would, he was drawn to broken people. He would look for the crazy. He sought out the crazy people. 
because he knew he wanted to rescue them because it wasn't them, it was the spirit that was in them or plaguing them or behind them. Discernment sees what's going on. To discern is whether we discern things, whether, we, whether the people like people, events, or beliefs are either from God or from Satan, a spirit of truth or a spirit of error. Jesus demonstrated this constantly. In fact, in the Gospel of John, John writes about this. He witnessed Jesus doing this quite a bit. But in verse, chapter 2, verse 23, it says, When he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people. And he needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. Jesus didn't get all caught up in all the hoopla. He would heal people, and people would be like, oh, I like Jesus. <laughs> Jesus, you remember me, man? He saw right into the heart. Jesus was so in tune with, with discernment that he strategically picked each and every disciple. Let me give you something to really mess with your mind. He even handpicked Judas. Knowing what he was going to do, he handpicked him. Wow. Just mess with, mess with your theology right there. Jesus was intentional. In 1 John 4, 4, John says this. He who is in you, south you, is greater than he that is in the world. Why do I say that? Because I don't want you to get fearful of the enemy. John's goal is not to make you look behind everything. Is there a demon over here? Where's, it? I gotta, where's the demons? No, actually to realize that you have been given power a living, breathing power source called the Holy Spirit inside of you, that you are greater. He who is in you is greater than he that is in the world. But John said something so strategic, and I, I made mention of it when we read it. It says we are to abide in Christ because you can have a power source and not be plugged in. You ever get a light and you're always, why isn't this working? It's not plugged in. You've been given a power source. And I want you to hear this today. We're going to put it on the screen. Discernment without wholeness leads to judgment. See, if we're not abiding in Christ, but we are given the gift of discernment, we will start being critical. We'll start being jaded. We'll identify all the things that are going wrong. You will be in a move of God and complain about how loud the volume is. I've seen it. And it's not that you don't have the gift of discernment. It's just that you're not whole. I, I, I love this when people wear, people that wear glasses all the time, I wear them at night, but when they wear them all the time and they're all smudged, and like I just want to take them off their face and go, can I just, can I, please? Like, how do you see through that glasses? Many of us, that's how we're looking through the Spirit. We're hurt, we're broken, we're walking in bitterness, unforgiveness, and we've been given a gift, but we're not seeing clearly. And John is saying, come on, you've got to abide in Christ. There is a gift. You've been given a gift to discern what is God and what is not. But you've got to look through the glass that is clean. Discernment with wholeness is activated and walking in your gift is powerful. So we need HSD. I want you to be full of HSD. Somebody's like, what is he talking about? Healthy spiritual discernment. I want you to be full of HSD, healthy spiritual discernment. Number one, healthy spiritual discernment helps us not to miss what God wants to use by being critical of his mode of operations. Let me, sit, let me read a scripture in here. John is speaking about this in the Gospel of John, chapter 7. And Jesus has healed somebody on the Sabbath. God forbid you heal somebody on the Sabbath. And he says this, if on the Sabbath a man receives circumcision, so that the law of Moses may not be broken. Are you angry with me? Because on the Sabbath, I made this man's whole body well. And then it says in verse 24, do not 
judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. Right. The word right, the word right in the Greek is daeos, which means used of him whose way of thinking, feeling, and acting is wholly conformed to the will of God. That whoever, that though, therefore needs no rectification in the heart or in life. That means we make judgment by being whole. That our mind, our will, and emotions are in right standing. So when we see something, we see it through the lens of being healed in Christ. Because here's the deal. If we don't get whole, we'll miss the move of God. He always uses operational modes that we never would have thought. People with tattoos. That's me, by the way, if you didn't know that. I was referencing myself. Some of you have a struggle. But the reality is, is you would miss Jesus. You would miss John the Baptist. And you'd miss Paul. See, what I'm saying is, is God wants us to be so discerning that even if he uses somebody you would never pick. Oh, there's something. Yeah, no, that guy, no, I, I, I know he's, he's of the Lord. He, he doesn't communicate the way I want. He doesn't dress the way I like. But that's okay. I, God can use him. That, that's what's so beautiful about this room. When I look around, there's so much diversity in here that you people normally wouldn't hang out with each other. But what you do is you discern the spirit of the living God in this room, and you discern the spirit of the living God on each person that's next to you. So you're like, I want to be around you because I know God's here. That's heaven. That's walking in truth. That's the way it should be. Should never be about your preferences because your preferences will get you in trouble. Oh, healthy spiritual discernment. Hel unhealthy discernment can lead towards a critical eye. People miss Jesus and will miss the Antichrist. Number two, healthy spiritual discernment points to truth instead of seeking out lies. John, again, in the gospel, chapter 8, says this. So Jesus said to the Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, the word word there is actually the Greek word logos, which is the written word. If you abide in this, you are truly my disciple, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That means God's written word, his logos, will transform us to be able to discern his spoken word, his rhema. Here's the deal. If you say you have a prophetic gift and you don't even know the word, how are you going to discern the word of God when you don't even know his written word? How are you going to know that? The enemy can come to you and make it sound really. I just read you things from... from poems from song lyrics we can be easily swayed to and fro i watched from 2020 till now christians being divided over things instead of ever asking god what is your heart oh oh, oh. Fauci said it we got to do it oh the president said we got to do it donald trump is you know he's god's other son i got to do what he said too I'm trying to offend as many people in this room as possible. I can keep going. You want to talk about vaccines, masks? What do we do? I, I'm kidding, but I'm not. Because some of us in this room, we, we rather listen to other voices than the voice of the Lord. Listen, it's going to get worse. 
the heat is going to get turned up. John was talking about this in 85 to 95 AD, and he said, the hour has come. We are minutes away from something taking place, and I want to know the voice of the Lord to discern it over the lies. I want to be able to seek out truth and not always look for a demon behind every corner. You know, you scare me if everything is demonic. If everything around you is demonic, maybe just maybe your filter is cluttered. But man, when we can exalt the heavenlies, when we can show truth, when we can speak of the love of God, see, we must know the real so well that any deviation from it is noticed immediately. Let me give you an example. I have a watch here. Now, this watch is not mine, just in case there's any police officers in this place. But this is a Rolex, and the reason why I say it is because it's a fake. <laughs> and we had a moment in our family's history where we were infatuated with getting fake Rolexes only because we couldn't afford the real ones. Only because, only because they started getting so much better in their way they built them. This one feels weighty. It actually, for those of you that know watches, this one actually has a sweeping hand. And it actually gets, there's no battery. All you got to do is shake it and it works. So this is like a really high quality Fake Rolex. <laughs> and the reality is, is if I wanted to study Rolexes and go bust up fake Rolex groups, uh, I would not study a fake one. Because there's always going to be a better fake one made. See, back in the day when they first started making the, the hand would go like this and, and it, was, it felt like a piece of paper and, and they got better and they got better and better. And so now this may be even outdated. Now they may even have better fake ones. If you want to study something, study a real one. If you want to build your discernment, don't study what the enemy's doing. Don't look for all the evil in your life. Study the truth. Learn who he is. See, the more I study real things, the more I go, oh, that's a fake. Oh, that's a fake because I know the real. I've been around the real thing. I've been in the presence of God. I know when the lights and the smoke are faking the presence of God. Oh, no. I know when people are hyping up things, when the band's just hyping it up, and I know when the Holy Spirit drops. Number three, healthy spiritual discernment, HSD, keeps a gauge on the heart so we can function properly. Romans 12, 2. All about discernment. Look at this. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God. Not what is bad, not what is evil, not what's going wrong in the world. It says what is good and acceptable and perfect. Paul wants you to understand. I want you to discern what is good, what is perfect, what is acceptable. And it says renewal of the mind. That means healing your mind, your will, and your emotions. Getting your soul healthy. Church, this is not an option anymore. This is not an option for us to walk around in life and just say, I'm working on it. No, work on it. Don't put it off anymore. Get... There are so many people in this room that have been given so many big gifts that just aren't using them properly because you're just not whole yet. 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 But when you get healed, when you let go of that unforgiveness, when you get rid of that bitterness, when you forgive the people that hurt you, when you start to realize your identity is not what you do, but it's in who he is, when you start to learn these things and really know them, 
I'm telling you, it changes everything. You'll love your spouse better. You'll honor your parents better. You'll be a better employee. You'll worship God from a place of freedom. These things transform your life. Your discernment is waiting for you to be whole. John is equipping the church for 2022. In fact, if John was running for any office in government right now, this would be his campaign slogan per 1 John, the letter of. It would be this, discernment, equipping the church against spies and equipping our heart against lies. Discernment. You need it. We need it. We need people that discern in this church. We need you. We need you. We need your gift. Everybody wants prophecy, right? Give a prophetic word. We love healing and miracles. Man, I'll see more of those things. Then there's these gifts like faith. I don't know. That seems to be a gift we need a lot. And then there's this gift, discerning of spirits. Be able to tell when God is moving and when he's not. Don't waste your time getting around things that aren't of God. God's not interested in hype. Let me just say this. He's getting ready to use people and places and things that you never would have thought could be used and redeemed. Let me give you an example because many times with discernment, we look at the outward. In fact, let me say this for those of you that have the gift of discernment. We need healthy spiritual discerners that will pray for and protect the body of Christ, but not critically judge what they don't like or understand. I don't know. That's for somebody in this place today. I need you to walk in that. I'll give you an example. God will always use interesting people in different means to accomplish what he has planned. He's going to use the people that you never thought. He's going to use the neighbor you never thought would get saved. He's going to use your dad who, who hated God all his life, and he's going to radically transform him. And then next thing you know, he's going to be preaching the gospel. You're like, I never saw this happening. <laughs> he's going to use that spouse that you hate. I'm sorry. I, I had to say that because I feel like there's people here that maybe are trying to pretend like they're in love, but God wants to heal your marriage. And instead of you bickering about them, start speaking destiny into them. See, see, discernment is so much deeper than just calling out demons behind every person. It's actually calling out destiny. It's identifying where God is. Holy, healthy, spiritual discerners. We need healthy, spiritual discerners that pastors and leaders can trust, aren't trying to manipulate them with their own fame. <laughs> I remember I was in a meeting one time, and a woman was telling me about this Jezebel spirit, this person that had a Jezebel. And we're going to talk about the Jezebel spirit in a couple of weeks. So get ready. We're going right in. And, and I want you to understand she was talking about it. As she was talking, the Holy Spirit told me, she said, it's not that person that has the Jezebel. It's her. And I knew it as clear as day. My wife was there, and we both collaborated together. Of course, we didn't do it in front of her, but we just listened. And I just started checking out. I go, I don't want to hear anything you have to say because I know where your spirit's coming from. I felt it right away. I knew. It was judgmental. It was bitter. It was hurt. And so right away I knew I was not going to allow her to have a voice in my life. That's serious. I'm serious. When the enemy starts to speak and you know it's him, you shut it off. Don't, don't entertain it. Don't, don't play with it. Don't, don't, don't do. Listen, I'm telling you, the enemy wants to divert you from truth. And some of you actually believe things about the Lord that are not biblical. You've been taught things, whether it's from someone who's bitter and hurt by God, maybe a parent that said, oh, God doesn't, God doesn't love you. You've now made that a gospel truth to your life. And you need someone discerning in your life that can come in and say, that is not God's plan for you. I'm telling you, if you don't have anybody that discerns truth, get, find someone. Find someone quick and get them in your life. And just say, man, I trust you. I know you love the Lord. 
And so I want to, what do you think about this? Oh, I, I feel the Lord on that. Okay, begin to bear witness with one another. This is what the body of Christ should do. Protect one another, discern together, and get healthy. Listen, when you manipulate what God says, that's witchcraft. Don't, I'm not going to break it down any other cheery way than saying that's witchcraft. Witchcraft is using spiritual things to manipulate people for your own means. And if you don't think that happens in today's church, you are clearly mistaken. Happens all the time. It happens with pastors too. We're not exempt from this. You know, bitterness can creep in my heart. I could preach from a place of hurt. I have to humbly all the time present myself before the Lord. Lord, please make me a clean vessel that you could speak through. I don't want to speak out of hurt. I don't want to speak out of having a bad week this week and, and, and present something that hurts someone in this place. You know what's so interesting about God? He loves the church so much that even when somebody does do something in error and their heart wasn't meant to do it, he smooths it over. Can't tell you how many times I said something. Oh, I wish I never said that. It was an accident. It wasn't intentional. And God somehow just erases it from people's minds. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Why? Because he'll cover your mistakes. But it's when you intentionally desire to manipulate or hurt or control. That's evil. That's evil. I'm telling you, don't make any bones about it. Don't be around people like that. And please, please, let me just say this. I, I feel like this, you feel there's something about this service today. I feel like you guys are really receiving this. I really do. I, there's something I want you to know that many of us, maybe in this room, some of us in this room, that some of us have a built re relationships with people that are bitter. And you feel like you're there to help them. But the spirit of the living God wants me to tell you that actually they've been manipulating you. And that you are to cut off those ties. I'm telling you right now, I just feel like that. I feel like a healthy fear of the Lord. Like, don't be around people that are angry at God. Jesus spent time with people. But man, he didn't make any bones about who he was. He did not walk away going, I wonder if the son of God really is me. No, he knew who he was. If you don't know who you are, maybe you shouldn't be in evangelism right now. Maybe you should be getting discipled. For those of you that are discerners, we need you to be healthy. Why? To constantly lift up truth instead of always identifying error. Let me give you an example. When we constantly lift up truth, we produce faith. When we constantly talk about error, we produce fear. It's all about presentation. When Jesus saw Zacchaeus in the tree, he called out his destiny. He didn't tell him, hey, you little guy who nobody likes, I hate you. Come on down, I want to talk to you. Hey, you're ripping off everybody. Come down here. Let me, let's, let's get this all squared away. He didn't call out his sin. In fact, if you know the, the, the nature of what took place for him as a rabbi to go to the home of Zacchaeus was a huge deal, very controversial. Jesus made a statement without even saying anything. He says, I'm coming to your home. Right away, everybody said, whoa. Why is he favored over everyone else? Jesus spoke life over a sinner instead of calling out his sin. And in his encounter with Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus repented because he saw the love of the Father, not the conviction of Satan. What I'm trying to tell you is, is you can be a discerner, see evil, but still call out good in someone. It's all about presentation. It's not watering down truth. It's just calling out their destiny. Nobody needs to know they're evil. Most people know they're horrible. Most people hate who they are. What they need to know is that there is hope in their life. Yes, you're going through all these things, but guess what? God sees you as a son. You're a daughter of Christ. You can be redeemed. He has a plan for you. Right away, you release faith. You counteract fear. 
I'm going to say something else before I land this plane in just a few moments. There is a gift of discernment. And I say that because many of us in this room, we want the gift of discernment, but we haven't received the gift of discernment. Scripture talks about this infilling of the Holy Spirit. Let me make this real clear. I'm going to try to consolidate it as best I can. There is a first step, which is receiving Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Scripture says the Holy Spirit comes in us, and we are now filled with the Holy Spirit. That's a non-negotiable. That gets you into heaven. You are saved and set free. But then there is this other baptism. There's a baptism of water, and there's a baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is where people fight over it, but I'm going to give you just one scripture. There's plenty, trust me, but there's just one. In Acts 8, it said they believed, this was the, the city that believed Philip and he, as he preached in good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus, and they were baptized, both men and women. And in, chapter, in verse 14 of chapter 8 of Acts, it said, Now the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, and they sent to them Peter and John, there's John again, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for he had not yet fallen on any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then he laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. There are people in this room today that you've yet to receive the Holy Spirit. I give an analogy like this. If you were to drink water, you would be filled with water. But then there's this other aspect of immersing yourself in the sea, driving, diving into the sea. That's what being empowered and filled with the Holy Spirit is. It's not only having him living in you, but now he empowers everything about you. And for some people in this room, you know what I'm talking about because you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. You've seen signs and wonders. You've been able to lay hands on sick people and see them recover. Let me be very clear about this. This church believes that these gifts are for today. We don't make any bones about it. In fact, let me say this to you today. If you don't, aren't filled with the Holy Spirit, you'll still get into heaven. You don't need it to get into heaven. But let me say this. <laughs> if God has gifts and tools that I can use at my disposal to help further the church and set people free, I want every tool in my toolbox. So I earnestly, Scripture says in 1 Corinthians, what is it, 12, 4, 1 Corinthians 14, 1, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. I desire the gifts of the Spirit. For some of you in this room, you pray in the Spirit. You can pray in other tongues. For some of you, you have gifts of prophecy, words of wisdom, words of knowledge. For some of you, you have discernment. Wherever you're at, Scripture says, Paul says, desire them. There's nothing wrong with desiring gifts. You can say, Lord, I want more. Please. Say, Lord, I want more. Please be a church that's not satisfied with the gift level you have today. I'm constantly asking for more discernment. Lord, I need to know you more than ever. Thank you so much for listening to Southview Church. Southview Church is a non-denominational, multicultural, multi-generational, Holy Spirit-filled and led community. We believe that who the Son sets free is truly free. If you would like to connect with us further, check us out at southview.cc. And follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.